Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room to talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I'm not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I'm just an average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. Discussing Come Follow Me with others helps me in my conversion. I hope you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing your insights. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 35, following along with Be Perfectly Joined Together, 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 7. Have you seen that trend that is on social media where women ask men how often they think of the Roman Empire? Um, my, I can't remember if it was my sister or my wife who asked. Someone asked me how long, because uh, I had not seen the trend. They asked me how many times I think about the Roman Empire in a given period, and I was like, I don't know, anywhere from like three to five times a month. And I said, but if I'm reading the New Testament, it's like constantly like five times a week. And the reason is because we're literally talking about the Roman Empire as we're, you know, going through these things. A random thought, but it was kind of timely with uh, the social media trends. Just now, in case you were curious, yeah, I think about it all the time. In the introduction, it says, during the months that Paul spent in Corinth, many of the Corinthians heard him believed and were baptized. So it must have been heartbreaking for Paul to hear just a few years later that there were divisions and contentions among the Corinthian saints and that in his absence, they began to heed the wisdom of the of this world. In response, Paul wrote the letter we now call 1 Corinthians. It is full of profound doctrine, and yet at the same time, Paul seemed disappointed that the saints were not ready to receive all the doctrine he wanted to give them. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, he lamented, for you are yet carnal. As we prepare to read Paul's words, it might be helpful to examine our own readiness to receive truth, including our willingness to heed the Spirit and strive for unity within our families, with our fellow saints, and with God. And this is instructive for us to recognize that there is a reason, um, as far as in our search for truth, in our search for uh, understanding of the gospel and, and the deeper things of the gospel, that we have to be spiritually ready to be able to receive them. And so, if you ever feel like you're hitting a plateau in your spiritual journey, recognize that you need to fight past that spiritual plateau, plateau continue um striving to to do what's right and keep on the path uh, because you haven't received everything yet. You don't have all things. <clears throat> and so don't slow down or don't give up or, or heaven forbid, take steps backward in your spiritual journey because then you'll lose the progress similar to running a marathon and then just quitting halfway. Don't let that be your life story. So there's really two sections. There wasn't a ton. Um, there were quite a bit. There were, okay. As I went through this lesson, there were really just two things I wanted to talk about, one, but one in particular. So let me cover the first thing that is more minorly that I wanted to talk about, which is in section one. It says, the members of Christ's church strive to be united. This was, as far as I can tell, the main thing that I know that, that you know, the church isn't trying to aim us, or the curriculum isn't trying to aim us specifically at one thing. But if it was, this is what I felt like they were trying to say. And it's a very important lesson, which is that we need to be united. The verse I want to talk about is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye per be perfectly joined together uh, in the same mind and in the same judgment. This process that Paul was asking for the members in Corinthian to do, uh, which we ourselves are have been asked and, and um, are counseled to do, to become one, is it takes extreme effort. I don't know if you've ever tried to unite your family. 
But like, just think about trying to decide in your family or even among two people where you want to eat for dinner. For me and my family, that's like a pretty painful process to try and get together and figure it out. And if we start opening up to our extended family and the, the more people we add or anytime we go out with friends, trying to get everyone on the same page and be happy about where we're eating, very difficult. So on really important matters or weighty matters of eternal significance, this takes extreme effort and faithfulness and working together and counseling together, figuring out each other's languages and how to communicate and how to be on the same page and be united. It's a freaking difficult process. I can't even I can't even sum it up other than to say it's a difficult process because it really does take everyone being united on the same goal and wanting the same thing. And this can only be done by centering ourselves on Jesus Christ and then working together for each other's good. So to start the process as far as in our in our wards to be united, um, really the we have to first become united individually with Christ. That's where we need to start. And then we need to expand it to um, the relationships in our immediate vicinity. So our spouses, we need to become united with our spouse. Then we need to become united as a family, then an extended family, as a community, as a ward, as you know, on and on and it grows. But that's the process. And it cannot start until we look inward first with our own individual growth and uh, testimonies and conversion, all of that. We need to be our own personal development project and working on our testimonies. Um, if we start outside first or start looking at other people first, it'll be no good. We'll never truly be able to be united and have that unity that's required. And so Paul was worried because he saw the division among the Corinthian saints and in a similar way in our modern times, we have divisions or we have uh, things that separate us as members and we need to be working to overcome those. And the only way we can do this is by building relationships with one another. Um, you can't just be unified without ever having to work with someone else. It's just not possible. So the second section is the part that I want to focus on. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay how important the first section is and being unified, but it's the second section that for me, I think I got the most out of. It says to accomplish God's work, I need the wisdom of God. And for, and I'm going to share several scriptures and just kind of talk about what it is from each one that to me harks back to this needing God's wisdom. In first Corinthians for chapter one, verse 17, it says for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And this to me justifies why the whole plan is to send 18, 19 year olds out into the field. It's to show and to prove that the Holy Ghost does the work of conversion. It's not us. There are times where I've been like, man, knowing what I know now and the skills that I've developed and the ability to relate and talk to people that I've developed that I did not have when I was 19. If I could go back into the field right now, I'd be such a powerful missionary. And I have to stop and recognize that I'm relying on the wisdom of man when I do that, my own wisdom in saying that I've become better rather than recognizing that it was always the Holy Ghost and that the Holy Ghost is the true converter. It's not us. Don't get caught into that trap of ever believing that 
you somehow supersede the Holy Ghost when it comes to that. Um, we can obviously help enhance the Holy Ghost's ability by not being a distraction and by being that like loving vessel. But ultimately, someone's converted not because of you, it's because of the Holy Ghost. And if it is because of you, it won't be lasting and it won't be an eternal conversion. And that's the same with our families. It's the same with our most important relationships. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 12, 21 to 23, it says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and then unto the Greeks foolishness. Elder Holland shared this at a MTC devotional back in, I think, 2011. <clears throat> and he, when he shared this verse, it just hit my soul so powerfully, especially the way that he said that we preach Christ crucified. That is the, the truest wisdom for us. That can be the, that's the, the source of our testimonies. And when you recognize that the world mocks that or laughs at that, it's how you can kind of tell that worldly wisdom really isn't that great at all. That true wisdom comes from Christ in those teachings. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When Paul went to them the first time, he was a new convert, or a newer convert, and he felt like he didn't know a lot. This was him writing when he felt like all of a sudden he had, you know, through his preaching and teaching and, and studying of the word, knew more and recognized that whether then or now, the true power was the Holy Ghost. And so you do not have to be well-educated in the scriptures or well-versed in the scriptures to be a powerful preacher and teacher. What you need is to have the Holy Ghost. You need to be a clean and virtuous vessel. That's far more important than the ability to memorize scriptures or uh, know how to cross-reference things. Uh, our spirits know. And when we when the Holy Ghost is communicating, it's to our spirits. It's not just to our, to our ears or our minds. It's to our hearts. And we have an ability even if we can't consciously observe it or recognize it. Unconsciously, we recognize the difference between someone with the Holy Ghost and someone without. And so I've had many opportunities to sit with people who are just powerful orators but didn't have the Holy Ghost, and I can discern and I can tell that they weren't preaching with the Holy Ghost. They were just using the wisdom of the world. And I've had the opportunity to be with those who I was like, man, this, this person is a terrible public speaker, and yet the Holy Ghost was so strong and hit me so hard that even though I might not have on the surface enjoyed the experience of listening to them preach, I could not help but uh, recognize and acknowledge the fact that the Holy Ghost was teaching me powerful truths beyond just some great orator. And one of my favorite things that I, one of my favorite testimony meetings and favorite testimonies I've ever heard was, I believe he was 10. He might've been 10 or 8, I can't remember how old he was, young kid, gets up, bore, bore his testimony about how he was jumping on the tramp and he had headphones in, 
and his little sister was trying to get his attention and talk to him and he couldn't hear her and he, he would say what and she'd repeat it again he couldn't hear because he had his headphones with music on couldn't hear and on the third time he took the headphones out and said what and she said whatever it was and he said i recognized in that after i recognized after that that sometimes life is like us having headphones in the holy ghost is trying to talk to us but we can't hear him because we're distracted so you have to take the headphones out and that was it that was his testimony and they you know, ended it in the name of Jesus Christ and sat down. One of the most powerful moments I've ever had in a testimony meeting by this young kid who had a minor experience. For me, it was such a powerful moment, and the Holy Ghost was the teacher. Um, he wasn't, you know, obviously great with words or vocabulary or anything like that. But because the Holy Ghost was the true teacher, it's something I have never forgotten. I still think about that testimony to this day. And so, recognize in your own teaching, when it's when you get called to, to give a talk, when you get called to get up there, don't sit there stressing out because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not a great teacher. You are immediately negating the Holy Ghost's ability um, and you're taking on yourself as if you're the one that's the change. You're not the change. You're just the vessel. The responsibility lies on the Holy Ghost. And as we trust in Him and give that... Um, that recognition of his power and his ability, his mission, you will become a more powerful powerful orator, I promise you. And too often, people either because of their own pride or because of their lack of humility, and I'm looking at this like a spectrum, their own pride meaning they think that they're great speakers, or their lack of humility, meaning they think they're terrible speakers and that's going to distract everyone. We miss the mark and the Holy Ghost isn't able to f- flow through us freely. Don't do that. Mostly because you make me sit through terrible Sundays where I have to listen to people who are more worried about their own wisdom than about the Holy Ghost, and you're missing the mark, and it's just wasting my time, it's wasting your time. Let's not have that. Let's not have Sundays like that anymore. We don't have to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And again, you have to have that humility if you want to progress. Quit thinking that you know more than God when it comes to your own life. You don't know why you feel certain things. You don't know why the Holy Ghost is guiding you to make certain actions. That's okay. It's not always meant for you to know. I'm currently in a situation in my own personal life of decisions that Lex and I have been having to make where I cannot tell you what the next step is, but I do know that I've been given enough to walk step by step every single day. And while I can't tell you where it's going or where it's going to lead, I know I'm being led by the Holy Ghost and we'll figure out the journey eventually. If I would, if I stop and I have stopped to question like, what's happening? Where am I going? What, what direction are we trying to lead here? Anytime you try to stop and question where you, you quit moving, you quit progressing because you're more worried about, well, I don't want to go down this path. If you know, you you're inhibiting faith and I've recognized it's just not the way to progress. You have to have that faith. You have to have that humility if you want to progress. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the, the increase. Again, I don't know how many times we can hit this or how many times Paul needs to hit this to the Corinthians and to us. Sisters and brothers, we are not the ones who make the increase. Yes, we are the planters. We are the waterers. But at the end of the day, it is God who gives the increase. So do everything you can in your power to magnify and to be that example, to be that light, 
But if you are sitting there stressing yourself out because of the results rather than um, your own actions, if you're not worried about the actions you're taking, you're more worried about, well, it's only worth it if something comes of it. You're missing the mark in your own life. You're missing the mark in progression and in the gospel, and you will be frustrated. There's no need to be frustrated when you recognize that it is God who gives the increase. That should bring peace to your life. It brings peace to mine. My invitation to you is that if we're doing good works, and you're going to know you're doing good works because the works will stand up. They'll stand up to the trials that come. They stand up against, you know, mockery and pressures and all that. When you're doing good works, um, and you feel it as you're being led by the Spirit, um, this work will stand the test of time. It'll stand the fires that will come. And God will build on that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It is through trials that we really learn how strong we are. The works that we're doing should be changing us, should be making us become something, uh, become disciples, become saints, and recognize that the trials that you're going through right now are building you, building you to be stronger. It's easy to be a great captain when the sea is calm. Everyone looks like a great captain when the sea is calm and there's no boats on the water, there's nothing to crash into. The difference is when the storm comes. And so when the storms come in your life, you'll know they are a great test a great audit of your life to see how strong is your testimony? How strong is your foundation? Are you built upon the proper things? And if you are, then you'll be able to withstand. What doesn't withstand either needs to be rebuilt or it needs to be looked at. You need to look at your foundation and ask yourself, is that, are you built on Christ? And are you built on where the Lord wants you to be built? And if not, change, repent. That's what the process is for. Our trials are to break us down and help us grow and become stronger. Thank you for joining my family room discussion. And until we meet again, have a blessed week.